Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out, particularly on a, such a rainy day, which is, I, it's a hurricane out there. At least it was before. So we do really appreciate it. It's very encouraging um, to us to see you guys here. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series, brand new content that we are calling I Am. And what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks is taking a look at what are called the I Am statements of Jesus Christ, these really profound descriptions that Jesus used to, to communicate to the world exactly who he is and what he can do for us. And so every week we're going to kind of dive into one of these statements. We're going to find out what he's trying to communicate, what the context is of that conversation, and really what it means for us today. Today what I want to do to kick off, I'm going to look at Really, what is my favorite I am statement? It's one that we hear a lot around the church circles, and that's when Jesus called himself the good shepherd. Now, right off the bat, that's an interesting title, the good shepherd. Like, why not just the shepherd? You ever think about that? Because by calling himself the good shepherd, there's an implication that there are shepherds who are not good. In fact, Jesus does more than just imply this. He comes right out and says it. Our conversation begins in John chapter 10, verse 1. He says this, anyone refusing to walk through the gate into a sheepfold who sneaks over the wall must surely be a thief. Pretty clear, right? Now, if you have no idea what Jesus is talking about here, you are not alone. John says that those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, and so he had to explain it to them. It's kind of like, hey, Jesus, love you, buddy. You're great. We have no idea what you're talking about. We're com you've, complete <laughs> you've completely lost us. And he gets this, and he's a good teacher. So he's like, all right, let me, let me kind of back up. Let me try it again. Let's try this on for a side. So he comes back at them again with a new illustration. He goes, all right, the thief, right, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who is this thief? Well, in the what I'll call micro context of this conversation, Jesus is actually talking about the Jewish leadership at the time, right? And he's making this claim that they are not who they claim to be. They've gotten these roles through sort of illicit ways, and, and you're not to really trust them. But at a larger level, Jesus is talking about our spiritual enemy, Satan, and those who are in league with him. Jesus is saying that Satan is a thief who seeks to do harm to the sheep. And his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy anything that matters to the heart of God. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Unlike Satan, the bad shepherd, if you will, who seeks to kill and steal and destroy, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. All right, there's our I am statement. Now, why did Jesus use this particular illustration? He used it because that audience at that time, 2,000 years ago, was very familiar with sheep. They were in an agricultural society. Sheep were all around them. Shepherds were all around them. They knew that profession. They knew the characteristics of sheep. They knew the importance of shepherds. So this illustration made perfect sense to them. We, however, are not familiar with sheep, okay? We, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know any shepherds, okay? It's not really a job you see in Fort Lauderdale too frequently, okay? And so for us, this sounds great, but we miss so much of what he's trying to communicate. So my goal for today is very straightforward. It is very simple. I want to talk to you about sheep, and I want to talk to you about shepherds. That's all we're going to do today. 
Now, before we kind of get into the sheep conversation, I just have to lay a little bit of groundwork. Because you just need to know that sheep are not exactly what I'll call the rock stars of the animal kingdom, okay? There's a reason that Russia is strapping lasers onto the heads of dolphins and not sheep, okay? They're like, sheep are great for making sweaters. That's about the extent of what sheep are doing in this world. But our loving God chose this animal to describe us. We have to assume that he who is the creator of the universe knew what he was doing when he used this example. So let's find out why. Jesus is using sheep. First thing we learn about sheep is that sheep get lost easily, very easily, in fact. In the Old Testament, there's an incredible passage that details the coming crucifixion of Jesus Christ, 700 years in the past, talking about what's going to be taking place. And in this passage, the prophet Isaiah says something poignant about sheep. He says this, Isaiah 53, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. It is incredibly common, almost characteristic, for sheep to wander away from the flock. They get distracted. They get enticed. It's like, oh, look at this puddle, and they go after the puddle. Oh, this bush over here, that'll make me happy. And they go into the bush, and they get stuck. Oh, look at that bird. They chase a bird. And so they stray away, and they get themselves in trouble. We as humans, we're honest, do the exact same thing. We get distracted. We get enticed. As Isaiah says, we stray away from God's path to follow our own. And when we do that, we often make some very unwise decisions. Sheep, without a shepherd, get lost very easily. Second thing we learn is that sheep are defenses. Almost every animal you come in contact with has some form of self-defense. A dog will bite you, a cat will scratch you, Iguanas will whip you with that tail of theirs. Right, I got hit in the chest once. It killed. Sheep got nothing. They are totally defenseless. Now, if you're with us last week, King David was telling us that when he was a shepherd boy, one of the things that he would often have to do is he would have to protect his sheep from lions. Why? Because they couldn't protect themselves. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, gives us as sheep a warning. He says this, be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. On our own, without the presence of other believers in our lives, without the armor of God, without the protection of the good shepherd, we are very, extremely vulnerable to the enemy, this roaring lion that Peter is talking about. Sheep are defenseless. Number three, we learn that sheep are stubborn. In my sheep research this week, I have learned that if a sheep walks between two boulders, apparently this happens a lot, if a sheep walks between two boulders and it's tight and it can't really fit, what it does is it backs up and then it tries again. And then it backs up and then it tries again. And then it backs up and it tries again until eventually all it will do is start to push its way into these boulders and it will keep pushing and pushing and pushing until the shepherd grabs it and it was like, my man, you got to go around. I'm not saying any of you are stubbornly trying to push your way between two rocks. What I am saying is that some of you keep dating the same kind of person expecting a different outcome. What I am saying is that some of you keep crying broke, but you keep spending your money expecting a change to happen. Sheep are stubborn, and so are we. Lastly, sheep are dirty. 
Now, chances are you have seen a picture of a white fluffy sheep. We've all, se we've all seen those pictures, right? Let me let you in on a little trade secret, okay? That sheep's had some work done to it, okay? That <laughs> There's a shepherd behind the scene somewhere with a blow dryer. Now, on their own, sheep do not have the ability to clean themselves at all. So they don't even, they don't even try. Last year, um, a sheep made the news. I don't know if you saw the headline. His name was Barack Barak. And he got lost because that's what sheep do. He wandered from the flock. That's what sheep do. And without the help of the shepherd, here is what Barak looked like. Here's a picture. There he is. Okay. Over 75 pounds of wool on this poor guy. But, you know, he's getting more confident every day, as it says. So that's good, right? He's getting out there. He's dating now. He's feeling better about himself. I want you to take a good look at Barack over here. Really let this get burned into your memory. This is what a sheep looks like without a shepherd in its life. Now, what I'm about to say might seem a little insulting, okay? But this is what Scripture teaches us. And sometimes when Scripture says hard things, we have to embrace the tension. When I was in school in North Carolina, this elderly Southern woman took me under her wing. And she said, John, you know, sometimes in church, you got to get your toes stepped on every once in a while. Step on your toes real quick. So here it comes. Without the good shepherd, God sees us like dirty sheep. Now, this doesn't mean that God hates you. In fact, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent the good shepherd into this world to die for you. However, without the good shepherd in our lives, the, the, in the eyes of what I'll call a perfect God, we as humans are very dirty. We, we are sinners who have fallen way short of God's glorious standard. Isaiah says this of humans. All of us have become like one who is unclean, like Barak. And all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. In other words, without the good shepherd in our lives, even our good things that we do, the good deeds, the good works, the righteous acts, they are seen as filthy rags in God's eyes. Bottom line, sheep need a shepherd. We need a savior. Sheep need a shepherd. We need a savior. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. And without him, we're just vulnerable to the enemy. So sheep get lost, right? They are defenseless. They are stubborn and they are dirty by nature. And Jesus chose this animal to describe you and to describe me. Thank you, Jesus. Now, <laughs> it is what it is. Let's talk about the good shepherd because this is where it really gets good. What does a good shepherd do? right? Because there's bad shepherds and good shepherds. So what does a good shepherd do? Well, a good shepherd guides. Number one, a good shepherd guides. King David tells us in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. There it is. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He is my guide. He is my guide. Do you ever find that you're in a place where you got to make a big decision and you don't really know what to do? And you're, it's like, should I take this job? Should, should I, is this, is this the person that God wants for me? Should I ask this person to marry me? Should I make this move? Should I, should, I, should I move to a different state? Should I stay here in Fort Lauderdale? Scripture is clear. God longs to be our God, our guide. He desires to show us his will for our life. All we have to do is ask. Jesus says this in the passage of today of good shepherds. When the shepherd walks ahead of them, meaning the sheep, they follow so the good shepherd guides the sheep. They follow him. Now, why do they follow him? This is really powerful. They follow him because they know his voice. 
They will not follow someone they do not know because they do not know his voice. The sheep follow the good shepherd because they know his voice, which begs a really important question. Do you know God's voice? Julia prayed that we would hear God's voice amongst all the other voices that are clamoring for our attention. Do you know God's voice? Now, some of you in this room might immediately say yes, absolutely, no hesitation. I, I, I know my Lord. I know my good shepherd. I can discern his voice. I know when he's speaking to me. I know when he's calling my name. Yes, I know the voice of God. Others of you might be here today, and you're like, hold on a second. Is this guy saying that God audibly speaks to us? Well, that does happen, not frequently. That happened a few times in Scripture to, in some really important moments in this world, but that is not God's primary method of communicating to his sheep. Normally, God communicates to us through what I'll call his word, the Bible. When we open up scripture, when we read scripture, God leads us. He directs us. He shows us his will. He also speaks to us through our circumstances. He will open and close doors in our lives. He will orchestrate events for us. And we also know, according to scripture, that he speaks to us through wise counsel, by using our friends, and our family and people on our path to speak wisdom into our lives. This right here is how we, as sheep, recognize the voice of the good shepherd. And so the more time we spend reading God's word, the more time that we keep our eyes open to what he is doing in this world, and the more apt we are to listen and to respond to the wise counsel of our friends and family and the people that God has put into our lives, the better we will recognize the voice of the good shepherd and the better we can follow after him. Jesus adds a really great detail to this conversation. Speaking of the good shepherd, he says, he calls his own sheep by name. I love that. He calls them by name and he leads them out. How encouraging is it to know that our God is a personal God and a relational God, so much so that he calls you by name? When someone knows your name, that changes everything, doesn't it? But he doesn't just know your name, but he knows everything about you. Jesus says, down to the very hairs on your head. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is Psalm 139. Now, it's long, and I'm not going to read it for you today, but if you have time when you get home, I would encourage you to read it. But Psalm 139 speaks to how God really does know us inside and out. The psalmist says this, speaking of God, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Incredible. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. The good shepherd has been with you since before you were even born, and he wants to guide you until your very last breath. Look to him, and he will show you the way. Second thing we learn about good shepherds is that a good shepherd provides. King David in Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, many of you know this one, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. As Americans, you know, we love this. We, we, a lot of us kind of know this almost by heart. We say, oh, that's beautiful. But we breeze right past it, not knowing how rich this passage actually is. 
These verses right here provide a profound picture of how our good shepherd provides for us. Let me, let me show you what's happening here. It's because it's incredible. First thing he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. According to my sheep research, a sheep will not lay down on the ground unless it has been given the proper food. And the good shepherd knows exactly what the sheep needs, brings him into the green pastures, which enables him to eat, which then enables him to lie down and to rest. It gets better. It says, he also leads me beside quiet waters. Now, why is it quiet waters? Well, if it's rushing waters, a sheep will not drink from it because they know that if they fall in, their wool gets soaked, saturated, and they will drown. So a good shepherd takes care of his sheep by bringing them to the right kind of water. And it's no coincidence that Jesus calls himself the living water. Lastly, David says the good shepherd refreshes my soul. Not only does the good shepherd provide food and drink for our bodies, he also provides for our souls. Now, some of you here today, you got everything you need on the outside. You got your paycheck, you got the house, you got the cars, you got the clothes, you got the bags, you got the watches, you got the shoes, you got the life, as some would say. But inwardly, if you're honest, you know that your soul is not at rest. And you have tried everything to refresh your soul and nothing seems to work. I mean, you've tried self-help books, you've tried cleanses, you've tried yoga, you've tried to spend more money, you've tried to spend less money. You, you even took a break from social media, but nothing seems to put your soul at rest. If that's you, you might be a sheep without a shepherd. See, there's a good chance that you're not being spiritually fed, so you're hungry. There's a good chance that you're not drinking from the living water, and so you're thirsty. Your soul is simply not being refreshed. When you're a sheep that is under the care of the good shepherd, shall we say, your soul is at rest. Quite frankly, the world can be falling down around you and you can still have total peace. Paul in the New Testament speaks about this shepherd's peace. He says this in Philippians. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul's like, look, people are going to look at you and they're going to look at your situation and what you're going through, and they're going to go, how are you not a mess right now? Because if I were in your shoes, I would be a mess right now. And you could say, well, it's because the good, good shepherd refreshes my soul. My, my soul is at rest because the good shepherd cares for me and guides me and provides for me. The third thing the good shepherd does is he corrects. Now, if you are that sheep who has sort of wandered off this might not feel like good news in the moment, but it truly is good news that we have a good shepherd who loves us enough to correct us when we have wandered into danger. Book of Job says this, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. This is profound. But let's be honest, ain't nobody excited when they're being disciplined, right? Like no one's sitting around going, you know, I think God is disciplining me. 
this is going to be great, right? Like, thank you, God may have another. No one's, like, no one's saying that in their real life. It is human nature to despise discipline. And it starts at an early age. My daughter Charlotte, I talk about her every week now, I'm like that guy, it is what it is. My daughter Charlotte, she is very sensitive, shall we say, to correction, okay? I guess that's a good thing because some kids don't respond no matter how much you yell at them. I make a slight suggestion and she breaks down like it's Guantanamo Bay. But about two months ago, it's a true story. About two months ago, she took this huge bite of a banana. I mean, it was entirely too much banana, okay? It was, in, it was an insane amount of, whatever. And I simply suggested, okay? It was a suggestion. I was like, ooh, sure, that's too, that's too big of a bite. Just like that, nothing crazy. It's too much, too much, sweetie. Here's her reaction. I, this I had to take a picture because it was so, in you would have thought I stabbed the child. <laughs> it was like insane. But her face, I mean, get a good look at this face. This face right here is a great illustration of what we read in Hebrews 12 when he says this, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You're not going to eat that much banana ever again. As humans, it's not true. As humans, we do not like to be corrected. We don't. But our Heavenly Father loves us enough to correct us in order to keep us safe. So our Good Shepherd guides, He provides, He corrects, and the last thing I want to show you is how the Good Shepherd protects. King David, again in Psalm 23, says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When the Good Shepherd is with me, I have nothing to fear. When the Good Shepherd is in my life, I know that he is working everything together for my future good. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, this rod was a club that almost looked like a half a broomstick. And they would use this to beat off and ward off any attacking animals. And the staff, you've seen, like a shepherd's crook, you know, the whole hook thing. They would use this staff to rescue sheep that have fallen into pits. And I learned they would also use it to pet the sheep that walked next to them, which I think is so cute. He goes on, he says, you anoint my head with oil. This is great. Shepherds, apparently, would use oil for two specific reasons. Number one, these sheep would often get injuries to their heads. They would run headlong into rocks. Talked about that. They would run into fences, and they would get injured. And so when they brought the sheep into the fold at the end of the night, the shepherds would use oil as a balm to heal their heads. On top of that, in this particular part of the world, these sheep were susceptible to a parasitic fly that would land on their noses and uh, put eggs in there. But to protect the sheep, the shepherds would apply oil to their noses, almost as an insect repellent. The good shepherd protects. I want to wrap up by showing you one last really cool thing, and it's just the very next sentence. He says this, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. What is this about? Do you ever have a guest at your house who didn't know when it was time to leave? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's getting a little late, right? Now, my parents are the opposite of this. We'll invite them over for dinner. They can have dinner. They play with, with our Charlotte. And like, they basically choke down their food and then they say, okay, let's leave these kids alone. <laughs> it's like, we don't want to be a, you know, we don't want to be a burden. We're going to get out of here really fast, okay? But we all have that one person. 
right? And we all have that one family, maybe you're this person, I don't know, who just doesn't know when it's time to go. And so at some point in the evening, you give them the old, well, right? One of the, like, like, well, maybe that's a Midwestern thing. I don't like, well, you know, you know, we, I don't, is that a word? I don't even know if it's a word, but we all know what that means. It's like, let's wrap this up. Okay? It's like, let's get the show on the road here. Can we? At the time when Psalm 23 was written, there was an understanding. There was a tradition that as long as your host kept refilling your wine cup, you were welcome to stay. But when they stopped refilling your cup, you knew it was time to leave. How civilized, right? King David says, the good shepherd, because of him, my cup overflows. My cup overflows, which means I am always welcome in the presence of the good shepherd. And he goes on to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When Jesus had the opportunity to communicate to the world exactly who he is, he said, I am the good shepherd. So what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we throw this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So one day, Jesus is telling a parable. Parables are fictional stories that he would make up to tell real truths. So one day he tells a parable, and it's called the parable of the lost sheep because sheep get lost, don't they? And he poses a question. He says this, if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Reasonable question for a culture that knows a lot about sheep and a lot about shepherds. He says, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? All week long, as I was working on this, I was thinking about that one sheep. And I don't know who it is, okay? I don't know who it is. I don't know if you're in this room. I don't know if you're watching online right now. I don't know if if you're listening to this podcast in the future, but I do believe with all of my heart that this message is for you. That, That you are the one. You are the one. You are the sheep who is in need of a shepherd. And here's the really great news. He's coming for you. Jesus' own words. He's going to come for you. He loves you that much. And if you're here today or watching online or you're listening and you, and, and you would just say, I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like this message was, was just for me. I just feel like that. Like, I, like, I, feel like I feel like God is speaking to me. Let me let you in a secret. He is. You are the one. Listen to the shepherd's voice. He is calling you by name. He has laid his life down for you. And if you are here today and you are worried, if you are here today and you are scared, if you are here today and you don't know what to do and you need guidance, if you are here today because you've made mistakes in your life and you have messed up and you are reaping the consequences and you are in need of direction and correction, listen to the shepherd's voice. Follow him. Say yes to him. And in a moment, your life can change forever. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, 
Lord, Scripture is very clear. Every single one of us has fallen short of your glorious standard. We are all sinners in the eyes of a perfect God. But Lord, you loved us so much. And so many of us, God, think that you hate us. You loved us so much that while we were still sinners, while we still hated you, you sent your son, the good shepherd, to die on our behalf. That should we just say yes to him, we could be made free. We could be made new. We could be one of your sheep forever. God, I pray that if there is someone here today who does not know you as their good shepherd, I pray that today would be the day that they would listen to your voice and they would follow you. And they would know what we know who call you, our Lord, that you are here for us, that you loved us, that you changed our lives, that you guide us, that you show us our will, that you protect us, that you work all things together for our good. God, we thank you. We thank you for chasing us down until you found us and you brought us home safe. We place all of this in the mighty name of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ.